walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. This is the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. I'm Duffy Ballard, and with me as always is friend, coach, and basketball nerdophile, David Levine. How are you, Dave? Well done, Duffy. I'm great. Uh, I'm down in San Diego for a very fun, very challenging tournament that my San Domenico girls are playing in, and I know you're in the midst of basketball tournament land as well up in the Bay Area. Yeah, we're in the Bambauer. Uh, this is December 29th, Dave. Uh, we're pre-recording a few days before the release of a bunch of awesome interviews. So we are uh, three games into our tournament, and uh, there will be some sounds of the tournament that we're going to intersplice uh, with these episodes. But first, Dave, let's just talk about what we're doing here, because it's a little bit different. We mentioned it uh last episode, but it's been a little while since we posted. So this is a gift to our listeners. We are going to be releasing an interview a day for the new year. So the first week of the year, we're going to release a new interview. We're going to do very brief intro and just get right down to the nitty gritty and have our listeners listen to the great interviews that you and I, Duff, have banked the last couple months. Yes. So we will be rolling out brief intros, as you say, Dave. Uh, and before that, what time is it? Oh, Duffy, I believe it's sponsor time, according to my watch. Uh, you and I are keeping the same time today, Dave. I love it. All right. I'm going to jump in with Karen Horsmeyer. And here is a, a little preview. She is one of our interviews that we're going to be releasing. So yes, thank you, Karen, for a great interview, but also for being a great sponsor. So here we go. You've probably heard this before, Dave. Just like Karen's coached athletes to victory, she's here to coach you to a successful real estate sale. Ready to sell your home or know someone who is? Karen brings the same expertise, strategy, and commitment to every real estate transaction as your trusted real estate advisor. She'll create a winning game plan for you for purchasing and or selling your home. Call Karen today at 415-794-4311. That is 415 794 Four three one one exclamation point. Duffy, beautifully read. Uh, our next sponsor, North Bay Basketball Academy, our friends at NBBA. NBBA. NBBA provides quality instruction in all aspects of basketball with an emphasis on fundamentals and skill development. Head over to www.northbaybasketball.com for more information on upcoming camps, skill sessions, team opportunities, travel opportunities, uh, NBBA does a great job. Thank you for being a sponsor, North Bay Basketball Academy. Thank you, NBBA. And the Bambauer tournament, as we know, Dave, was initially started by Rick Winter, who also founded NBBA. Correct. Good job, Rick. All right. We're moving on to the hub. By the time these interviews come out, Dave, it will be a little bit too late to go see Haley Ballard at the hub, but they have other people who can do that job and serve you grass-fed burgers, hand-cut fries, and shakes. They can pour you a field work. Uh, you can sit there. There's going to be great company. There's almost always someone in there is watching a game or talking about a game. It's just a hub in San Anselmo. So if you haven't been, check it out. If you have been, come on back. And uh, we love the hub. Thank you, hub. And uh, stay true to us, hub. Beautiful. Thank you, hub. Thank you, Haley Boward. And finally, last but not least, Jesse and Laurent. Uh, Jesse and Laurent is a gourmet ready-to-eat meal delivery service facilitating family meals throughout the Bay Area, Sacramento, and North Tahoe region. Been feeding families for more than 40 years with their delicious and healthy heat and serve meals. You simply heat and serve the pre-made meals delivered right to your doorstep. Don't forget the special Run TMC listener code. Enter TMC20, no space, for $20 off your first order. Thank you, Jesse and Laurent. So the 20 in TMC 20 signifies $20 off. Is that right, Dave? That is correct. Okay, got it. That is correct. 
Great. Well, uh, we're going to get on with this, but first we want to remind our listeners to check out our website at the theruntmcpodcast.com to email us at theruntmcpodcast at gmail.com. We are still looking for correspondence. Uh, we will soon be putting out a big sponsor drive. So if you're interested, reach out to us. Check out Dave on Insta. A lot of good contact uh, content there. And uh, keep listening. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. So we're going to roll into interviews. Uh, there'll be really brief intros, and then we'll get into it. And then interspliced, as I said before, Dave, we'll have a few sounds from the Bambauer tournament, including friends of the pod, Mike Saya and Daryl Rory. Thanks, everyone. All right, Coach. I'm with Coach Saya. Uh, we're at the Bambauer. It's been a great tournament so far. Um, what are your what are a few observations, Coach? Um, it's a really even uh, tournament, especially uh, yesterday in the quarterfinals. Uh, all eight games, uh, majority of them were, were, were close. Um, lots of strategy, lots of timeouts, lots of really good coaching, and lots of really good, really good play. Um, uh, yeah, it was just enjoyable to watch. Right. And how how are the crowds been for the evening games? Uh, they've been they've been good. I mean, you, one team comes from out of the area, Martin right. Luther King and Riverside. But everybody else is relatively local. It's always nice to have another MCAL team in in with like Archie. Um, but you know, the, the crowd energy has been good. Um, you know, one of the things I, I always like about this is the camaraderie amongst the coaches. You know, we're we're all hanging out here for a long period of time. We've got the hospitality suite upstairs and. Well, that was my next question. How has the buffet been up in the well, Nelson room? It's, I, I think that's what brings coaches back and yeah. brings referees back. Um, our Marin Catholic parents do a wonderful job of hosting all of us. They do all the heavy lifting from manning the gate to the snack shack and then, most importantly, the hospitality suite for the coaches and the officials. So, yeah, I saw um, Chris Hammond out there this morning. Yes, <laughs> yeah, checking so people in. Every, everybody's, everybody's pulling their, uh, pulling their duty. Yeah. And that, that, you know, I... I, I this tournament, when I took it over 14 years ago, it's always been parent-driven, and um, they really, they, they, they never cease to disappear. Uh, they always, and not disappear. They always come through. They always they come, come through. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Great. Thank you for putting this on, and it's, a, you know, my first time being here, you know, in any capacity. It's just a cool thing, and look forward to coming back in the Good. future. Always. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. All right. Well, very excited to kick off our week of interviews with our friend Jeff Skaggs. Um, I'm actually going to give a quick background on Jeff. We, we talk about some of this in the interview, but this was one where we, we didn't go um, fully into his background. So I'll, I'll give the, the high points here. Um, I will note for our listeners, this interview was conducted a while ago, like a couple months ago. Um, but because of its its nature, it's really an interview about Marin basketball history. So it's not very time sensitive because um, we're talking about the 70s and 80s. Uh, but anyway, Jeff is a Marin native. He grew up in Fairfax. He went to Marin Catholic. He was the class of 1976. So we talk about, you know, Marin basketball and the MCAL back in the 70s. He's um, older Jeff, than us, Dave. He's older than he's us. He's a little, yeah. a little bit, I a little like bit. Yeah. Um, he's even older than Mike Sia. Um so he uh, he did not play varsity Duff until his senior year at MC, so similar to Tom Poser. Um, and then Jeff was honorable mention all-league and was a very good player. He then went on to play JC ball at the College of the Siskiyous for two years, went to Southern Utah as a walk-on, um, and then eventually earned a scholarship. And we go into this in the interview. He flirted with the idea of then playing pro ball in Belgium, but decided to stay stateside and start a long career as a coach and educator and administrator. Um, Jeff's been a youth coach in Marin for decades, countless CYO and school teams. He's been at San Domenico for 25 years as a coach and administrator in the athletic department. He started the San Domenico basketball camp, Duff, which you're gonna mention in a minute, with 14 kids about, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, and has since partnered with US sports camps and Nike, and now it's one of the most successful basketball camps in the area. He's also a charter member of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Jeff is just a, a great guy. He's very positive. He's a great leader and educator. And really, the, the main reason we wanted to, to chat with him for this podcast was he has a great perspective as a historian um, of Marin basketball, and in particular, the Drake Summer League in the early 80s, which 
uh, is one of the coolest pieces of Marin basketball history, I think, um, really of Marin kind of pop culture history. It's, it's amazing. So this was a really fun conversation, Duff. Yeah, a lot we could say about uh, about Jeff. Both my kids uh, have spent time at San Domenico, and Jeff is kind of everywhere. You know, he's organizing schedules. He's there. He's doing, like, the first graders PE class. He's dressing up as the Panther mascot. He's on the PA. Just kind of one of those guys who just gets embedded into whatever environment he, he is. And uh, it just really was a pleasure, you know, seeing him a lot on San Domenico's campus. But he also was a fantastic player. And uh, Davis, you know, I've been at the Van Bauer and I noticed today that the records on the wall for MC, the basketball records, has specific, you know, most points in the game, season, et cetera. And there's a lot of Joey Calcaterra up there, I'm not going to lie, and a little bit of Nick Vita. So that's cool. Uh, some Mike Turner. And perhaps there would have been a lot of just Skaggs if he had not been on JV until his senior year. But that's not necessarily to say it was the wrong, wrong move because he ends up playing college basketball. And uh, as we know, there aren't a lot uh, from Wren that have gone on to play D1 college basketball. Yeah, Jeff's one of those guys like Tom Poser um, and and countless others who really peaked, um, even like Kenny Woodard, another interview we're going to do later this week, um, who peaked his basketball life really after high school, even after college. Like I think Jeff's best basketball years were in his mid to late twenties when he was playing in the Drake adult league. So yeah. uh, a great player who I played with you and played with him. Um, so this was a really fun conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Springy, you see the photos he, he had some, he had some up and uh, lefty stroke. So yep. would have loved to see him in his prime, but uh, anyway, yeah. Thanks Jeff. And before we get onto the interview, uh, we want to thank the Nike San Domenico camps as another sponsor that we have not yet mentioned uh, on this episode. So I am on their website right now, Dave, and there's some pretty good copy here. Uh, so it says, work with some of Bay Area's best basketball coaches in summer 2024, in including Mike Fulton, Buck Chavez, Tyler Gaffney, and Jeff Skaggs, and maybe Dave Levine. I don't know. That's possible. Um, I don't know. Nestled in San Anselmo, San Domenico School is one of a kind, offering top-tier instruction premier dining choices, fun activities, and consecutive weeks for players wanting more. It's a beautiful gym. It's a, an amazing campus if you haven't been there. Just gorgeous. Uh, the Complete Skills Camp helps players of all abilities develop athletically, refine fundamental basketball skills, and enhance their skill set at the post, wing, or guard position. Find your place on the floor and own it. So you can go to USSportsCamps.com and look up San Domenico. That is www.uss, well, that's ussportscamp.com. There, there you go. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Jeff and Nike Camps at San Domenico. Uh, let's get on to this interview. It was a really good time. And I will say, Duff, one last thing. As we recorded this months ago, this predated our Rick Winter interview, but we covered the same topic of zones. But this was, uh, this was a fun discussion of zones. We keep on, Stay we tuned. Keep on getting into this. Hey, one more thing, Dave. KK is also a coach at the camp. She's on the website, front of the podcast. KK, love KK. Episode three. Yes. Uh, okay. Enjoy the interview. Let's get after it. All right, Jeff. Hello. Good morning. Good to see you. So, uh, Jeff, we already gave our our listeners your background, so we won't go into the the deep story on Jeff Skaggs growing up, but um, we'll just say, so you're Associate Athletic Director at San Domenico, is that right? That's correct. It's my uh, 25th year, been a complete gift to be here, and uh, seen a lot of changes over the years with our youth programs, our high school, going co-ed. Yeah. It's been a really fun run. Yeah, awesome. 25 years, man. Time flies. So Jeff has been a coach and educator for decades, and I've known him for over 30 years, and he's one of the most positive, inspiring people I know, just a, a great human being and an amazingly positive force for so many kids. Um, but beyond that, Jeff, um, phenomenal basketball player, high school, college, post-college, in adult leagues, which we're going to get into. Um, Jeff, you and I actually played together in an adult league 30 years ago. I don't know if you'll remember me because I was a non-factor on that team, but um, you had a big impact on me. And just to get it out of the way, Duff, uh, Buck Chavez was on that team. So 
We got our, our Bucky reference. His name hasn't come up before. Every, every podcast, we've got a Buck Chavez reference. So um, in the flow of the offense, though, it wasn't forced, right? Uh, but that team had Buck, had Mike Fulton, who was our first guest, had you. Um, so I was just blown away by how these older guys uh, were so nice to a teenager and giving me the ball, letting me shoot. So, uh, And finally, Jeff, you are a historian. Um, you have IJ articles and, and amazing information on um, the history of Marin basketball. So we want to we wanna get nerdy and do a deep dive on Marin hoops history with you today. Sure, so, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so... I thought we'd do a quick recap of your, your playing days because, I mean, you, you're an awesome basketball player. We're going to get to your MC days later in this because I want to go um, deep on 1970s MCAL basketball because I, I think it's fascinating. But basically, you played at, played at Marine Catholic, and then you played junior college at the College of the Siskiyous. Is that right? I did. I, uh, I, was, uh, I was really a late bloomer. As you, you know, from my bio, yeah. playing C basketball, B basketball. Thank God those were around then. Right. I might not have made it. I, I wasn't good enough for the freshman or the JV, or you know. So it was it was a gift that those leagues were were around, and they were actually played during the football season. Hmm. It was just a short hmm. eight game thing. But uh, I had very uh, average grades in high school, so um, I didn't even apply to any four year schools. Uh, John Panagakis really wanted me to stay and play at College of Marin, but I just felt like I wanted to explore, you know. And um, Siskiyou's was one of the few places that had dorms. And so I went up there. It was, uh, my parents drove me up. It was $13 a unit. It was $500 for the semester. And then I got a job washing dishes in the cafeteria for meals. And uh, so it was kind of a way to get to college. And uh, had a great experience. I was there two years. I played my second year. Was injured my first year. I broke my ankle and just got okay. way behind. And then, um, and then started writing colleges. You know, back then there was no internet, and there was sure. those books in the library that had all the different colleges. And um, so I wrote schools in Montana, Colorado, Idaho, and uh, Southern Utah State College sent me a really nice brochure back. And uh, I was like, wow, this I'd never heard of it. Yeah. A place called Cedar City, Utah, about 170 miles northeast of Las Vegas. And um, so I wrote the coach, and then the coach contacted my junior college coach. I was a starter, you know, when I played there at forward. And uh, he offered me uh, a walk on spot. And my parents drove me out sight unseen to Cedar City, Utah, yeah. which was about 90% Mormon. Yep. But super nice people. It was a public school. And um, got out there, and they had 10 seniors on the team, and they had gone to nationals the year before. So I just saw the writing on the wall, and I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to go to school, play some city leagues, and, and wait for all these guys to graduate. So Jeff, was this D2? Or? Uh, it was NAI Division One, so okay. similar to D2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you at, um, <clears throat> at Siskius, were you... Were you really good? Like, were you all league? Were you... No, okay. no. I was. Uh, you were just a solid player. Just a solid player. Okay. I think I averaged like twelve a game and got to start every game at forward. And uh, we had uh, we had three guys from Harry L's High School in Richmond, which is no longer. Okay. A couple guys from Oakland High, and then a bunch of guys from like Weed, Mount Shasta, McLeod, yeah, Bernie Falls, places like that. Okay. So when you get to <clears throat> you get to Southern Utah, they, they're loaded. There's not really a spot for you. So, so what do you what do you do? So I just I played city league, played a lot of open gym. Yeah, enjoyed going to school really. Uh, and um, and then that summer, this it came about where they were going to do a, a, a sponsored tour of Costa Rica. First, it was going to be Panama and Costa Rica actually, mm. and. Um, so we got to the airport, and, and so I'm like, oh, I'm all over this. This is a free trip to Central America to go play basketball. And it was in the summer, and um, Panama actually canceled our portion of the, the tour because they were mad at the U.S. about something political. It was kind of like, really? We're just going out and play basketball. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I went down there, and we were there for about almost two weeks, and we won every game. We played their national team, and their university team it was super fun. And on the way back on the airplane, the coach gave me a scholarship, which I did not have. And so um, 
I ended up playing the next two years and uh, had it paid for, which was really a, a blessing and a gift. That's awesome. So did you light it up down down there? Or, or? Uh, I was I was not all league, but I started at point guard my junior year. Yeah. And uh, ironically, my first game, I went for 17, 8, and 8. And we beat um, Mesa State, Mesa, Colorado. And um, that was probably my best game throughout my career was the very first one. Yeah. And, um, and But it was super fun. And my senior year, we were a better team. Uh, I moved over to two guard. And um, it took me a little while to get in the starting lineup. We had some recruits that came in. And eventually, I ended up starting by mid-year for the rest of the year. And so I, I didn't have a, a phenomenal career ending, but I was always, I felt like I was a good contributor and a good player. And, and we played a great style of basketball. Yeah. Really a fun one. So yeah. to, to kind of close the loop on your, your early days of playing, and this is a recurring theme that we've had with the guests that we've, we've talked to, um, you know, for example, like Tom Poser, Dave Deneen, other guys like that. Um, you know, Tom played JV at Drake until his junior year. Right, freshman and right. JV. I did as well at Marin Catholic, and so, and then um, you know, kind of bounced around, went to the JC route, yeah. found a way at UCSB, and then ended up playing pro basketball. You, I mean, I've played with a lot of guys over my life. You're one of the best players I've ever played with and seen. And oh, you, thank you, you were, that's, that's true. And you lit it up, and we'll get to this in the Drake Summer League and rec leagues around Marin against really good players, ex pros, current pros. But you're a guy who you know at Marin Catholic. You weren't on the varsity early on. You kind of so to our listeners, you know, it, it's a process, right? And don't expect things to happen too soon. Sometimes it takes people some years to to kind of get the hang of it, right? Um, so that's pretty cool. No, I think uh, in the summers was really where the growth happened because of the and we're going to be talking about the Drake Summer League. Yeah, I mean the you know college was one thing, but the Drake Summer League was just really an avenue for all of us to get better. And playing on the outdoor courts at Drake, those four courts. Yes. Where you either, you know, you got your butt kicked until you figured it out or you did different, went to a different sport. I mean, if you were going to go down there and play, you, you had to have your A game or develop one. And there's so many players during that course of time that, right. you know, started out modestly, including myself, and then you just... Um, you just got better by through the competition. Absolutely. Hey, you don't get better playing against players who aren't as good as you are. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, so, all right, we're going to come back to, to the Drake Summer League because I want to spend a lot of time on that. But let's, so now you, you post-college, now you are a coach, right? You were an assistant at, at Southern Utah where you went to school. Uh, what was that like going from being a, a player to being a coach? How was that adjustment for you? It was, uh, it was just something that came about, uh, you know, briefly, I, my mother grew up in Belgium and met my dad, who was a soldier from Northern California. Hmm. So I have my entire family on my mom's side still in Belgium. In fact, I'm going to go there over Thanksgiving for a week just to see everybody. Great. And um, back then, professionally, you know, teams could only have two Americans. So I'm half Belgian, Flemish Belgian. And I, you know, I thought I could go to Belgium and play as a as a native? As a native, yeah. which would be an advantage. And actually signed with an agent named Jim White. I've got the contract somewhere around here. <laughs> nice. And uh, But then the, the Federation said no, that I could not do that. And it was different. In a place like France, you could, if you're 30% French, you could go play as a French player. But in Belgium, they were talking about spending a year in the Belgian military if I wanted to do that. And I'm like, okay. I'm less interesting to you. So. Yeah, I get but that. If I, and it happened two, two times where I, I was going to go. So... Um, if I have any slight regrets in life, it's that I didn't move over, mm. live with my grandmother, you know, get residency and start playing pro basketball there. But I might, I would have never came back. Maybe right. you know, my life wouldn't have turned out as enriched as it has. Yeah. So it's always um, interesting those sliding door moments, right? Those decisions yes. that you make. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's interesting. Uh, so the coach uh, is a guy named Tom McCracken. It's a great basketball coaching name. He heard that I wasn't going, you know, to Belgium. And he said, hey, Jeff, I don't have an assistant. Why don't you just come and help me out and be a buffer? Because he was a super intense coach. And so, you know, he wanted me to be the guy that was a little friendlier. And I, I learned a ton. 
uh, I learned that I didn't want to be a college coach mm. because my the guy I worked with, he had an ulcer already, he was going through a divorce, he was manic about wins and losses, and I just thought, wow, this, you know, this really isn't for me, but it certainly was fun for that year to experience it. And, you know, I wasn't much older than the players, so right. it was a little tricky with my role there. But Well, it's interesting you say that, Jeff, because, I mean, if, if, there's, <clears throat> if there's one word, if someone asked me to describe Jeff Skaggs with one word, I would say positive. Like oh, you're just, you. you're, a, you're a very positive, optimistic person. You have great energy about you. And so I can think if I had a, a head coach who was tougher, you would be a great assistant coach. I mean, and honestly, that's my role with, with Fulton here, right? I mean, Mike is, Mike's an amazing guy, but Mike is, is tough. He's demanding. And sometimes the kids get, you know, it's, it's hard. Right. And so I'm the one who's there to kind of pat him on the back and say, it's going to be all right and, and be the positive one, right? Um, so I think every team needs that. And so you're, you're phenomenal at, at just looking at the positive. Thank you. I th- well, and that was really the only time in my life I actually was an assistant coach, I think, because I've always done youth sports. Right. No high school. Just, you know, I can I'd coach more teams that way. Uh, I've always just been a, a head coach, even at modest levels. But so you've you've started many basketball camps. You started the San Domenico basketball camp, which has become really successful and and popular in in Marin, along with you know Falcon Camp and some of the other great camps, Horsemeyer Camp, um, great resource for kids. Um, you're a member of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Can you can you talk about that? I mean, I think that's. I think when it came about, it just was, it's, it's been a good idea. It's not flawless. We have sort of, yeah, I'm a charter member. Yeah. And um, I've been to a couple of the events down there. I think the, sadly, the people who need the Positive Coaching Alliance don't think they need it. Because <laughs> there's a lot of, right. you know, parents out there that uh, could use some logic that they provide about, you know. But just that's just the way it is. Sometimes people are not logical about their teams or their kids, right? Or, yeah, you know the passionate. Yeah. But so yeah, that's just been a something that I've been involved with, and and I I think it's a good thing. Great, great. So um, I'm curious when, when when you were a coach, and and you've been in addition to starting camps, uh, you've been a youth coach, CYO coach for decades, right? You've coached kids, yes. various sports, but so when you're thinking about kind of the mental and physical preparation for a practice versus a game. Duffy and I were talking about this a couple days ago. You know, talk about how you would mentally prepare for a practice as a coach versus a game. I think with, for me with practice, I just want to get the ball in kids' hands and keep them moving and, and not, you know, and maybe talk while we're doing things. Yeah, I just am not one that wants to stand there and talk to kids. So we always start out with full court layups. Yeah, um, you know, ball handling stuff. Three man weave is my favorite all time drill, just because it, you know, it works on hand eye coordination, movement thinking, all that stuff. So that's a staple of every practice that I ever did was full court layups, three man weave. Yep. Um, Five-man weave, sure. where you just got to get kids out of their comfort level and thinking and getting a workout. Um, you know, I'm not a big line drill guy. I never was. Mm-hmm. I just thought if I'm going to make them do something, it's with a basketball. Yeah. And, uh, and in terms of games, you know, coaching youth, when we warm up, I'm always out on the court demanding that they're focusing. And, you know, if I need to yell at them about, you know, you got a game to play in two minutes, like, let's get ready. And, um, you know, and demanding that the kids on the bench are in tune uh, right. and, uh, you know, putting kids in a position to be successful uh, in terms of technical things. Um, I'm pr- it sounds out of left field, but I'm proud of the fact that with Marin CYO Youth Basketball, I got zone defenses uh, outlawed until seventh grade about 15 years ago. Well done, Jeff. Because I was coaching a fourth grade B team, very low level, and seven of our eight games, 
team sat in zones. It was the most awful basketball. So, you can imagine, kids can't pass or shoot at that age. So I, I went to the CYO meeting the next time, and I'm like, we got to get rid of zones. We, and I got it. I was hoping all the way through eighth grade because zones don't teach kids how to play defense. Jeff, I don't like to use the word hero lightly, but you are. So uh, this is a, you're touching my heart here. I, I look uh, to our listeners, high school, college, pro, zone, it's great. Look, Syracuse, Jim Beheim made a living sitting in a beautiful 2-3 matchup zone. Zones are great. For youth, for kids, they have to learn how to play man-to-man. And the kid, and I coach right now, I coach AAU. I've seen some kids who have played on CYO teams where the, all they did was play zone and they have no clue how to guard anybody. So I think just you're doing your kids a disservice. This is my uh, soapbox, I, I, but clearly you agree. You're preaching to the choir. You're doing I your kids a disservice agree. by sitting in a zone, even if it wins you games. As a CYO coach, your focus should not be on winning games. It should be on developing your players, right? And okay. teaching them the game. So well done, Jeff Skaggs, getting CYO. <laughs> Is seventh grade the right time to say it's okay? Or if you could choose any time period, any grade, what would it be when zone becomes okay? For me personally, I'd say 11th grade, 10th or 11th grade. That's just my, my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there are certain high schools where the zone concept makes sense, right? So I, I'm, I'm actually okay with seventh or eighth grade. Um, but... You you need to give the kids a foundation of learning how to play man to man because really the best zones use man to man principles right yeah I mean you're, in a zone you're not guarding wood you're not guarding line right. you're still need to be responsible for a player I think unfortunately there's just a lot of youth coaches that don't understand man to man principles fully well there's that too yeah right so so that's where it's an easy thing like right exactly so if you have a coach who maybe isn't as Experienced in coaching basketball, his own is an easier thing to do as right. a coach, too, right? So, right. Well, I think that for here at San Domenico, uh, what I'm really proud of is that we had every year 15 to 18 CYO teams and mm-hmm. really got our name out there in, in the county as being relevant. Not, not dominant by any means. Sure. A lot of B teams. But uh, one nice thing that, you know, administratively we were able to pull off is for 15 years, we had zero parent coaches. And I'm a parent. God love parents. But we hired our coaches right. with all, you know, Dan Hunt and Buck Chavez and their kids and Fulton and I. We all, we had... Dan Hunt played on the 82 Drake State Championship team that we've talked about a lot. Best team yeah. in Marin history. Played pro ball in Australia. Was an unbelievable player. His kids, yes. really, really good players. So Dan Hunt is one of the best players in Marin history. And so having him come and coach a team, that's, that's all. That's amazing. That's it awesome. was, yeah, him and Buck. And I, there was times I coached four teams and yeah. Fulton would coach two teams and Buck would coach three teams and Hunt would coach two teams. So it was, uh, it was a good, a good run. There's, we just don't have as many teams now. Right. So. Awesome. Okay. I want to, um, I want to dive into MCAL history now. So if you, if you're listening to this from, you know, um, Florida, and you have no interest in Marin County basketball, you might you might get bored. But uh, the people who, who like Marin will love this one because Jeff is one of the best people I know around to talk about Marin history. So um, the MCAL in the 70s, when you were, when you were playing for, for MC, who were the, what was the, the landscape like? Who were the dominant teams? Who were the, the great coaches? Who were the figures that, that stand out to you in the 70s? So that's a great question. Uh, I finished in 1976, but in the early, you know, 70s, um, you know, Eddie Joe Chavez and the team that really put Drake basketball on the map was, you know, coached by Pete Hayward, you know, Brett Tavani coached Centerfeld, yep. Dick Hart, Redwood, um, uh, Tam, a longtime coach, Bernie Schneider, I think it was. Uh, there was good coaches, but er, you know, early on, that team that went to the tournament of champions, which was, you know, my father used to take a bunch of us kids to the to the Oakland Coliseum to the tournament of champions, and it was basically eight league champions who played a three day tournament, and it was before the North Coast section, which you know, that's a whole different subject of kind of a watered down 
thing. But these were the championship teams and, you know, Berkeley High School, Castlemont, San Joaquin Memorial, Drake, you know, went over there and beat a 22-1 and Castlemont team. I think Coach Fulton talked about it in one of the podcasts. And it really put it on the map. And um, so those teams, you know, that was one of the the better teams ever. The Redwood teams with um, guys like, you know, John Borough and and Piero and and McGee and... Uh, Troby uh, brothers, the one one played at Stanford. They had some great. There was just some great, great players in the early seventies. Would, would people would, would would the fans show up for those games? Like were were MCAL games events? Yes, yes. And you know, Marin Catholic back so long ago. You know, they had all there was was an upper level. It was called the pit, hmm. and people hung out over the court. Oh, interesting. And um, it only held about 700 people, and it was packed for every game. Yeah. The finals, we, you know, we we lost to Terra Linda in 1976 in the finals, and uh, the fun part was we played Drake High School in the semifinal, and I I lived at Drake when I was growing up. I grew up in Fairfax, and the Drake gym was open from noon to five every day in the summer, and so we just awesome. lived there, and. Um, Anyway, all my friends played at Drake, Walt Gillespie and Rick Burris and Mel Judson and some great players. We beat them 69-67 in overtime at Redwood. Uh, I actually sprained my ankle in the first quarter, and they took me back to the training room, and they froze my ankle with a boot. It's pretty high technology for 1976. Yeah, exactly. And they taped it up, and I went and played the rest of the game, and... um, and we won by two. It was a, a phenomenal game. Uh, we had Mike Stone and Gary Johnson and Dave Donati. Dave Donati was uh, MVP of the for San Francisco State. They won the league. And yeah. He went on to play pro ball in Italy. We had just a really fun team. And um, and then against Terra Lynn in the finals, that had Barry Carr and Mike Martin that both went to play at Cal. Uh, I was on crutches, so I, I couldn't play, and we lost by 15. And we had just beaten Terra Linda at Terra Linda by 18. Like the week before. Yeah. It was, hey, one one thing I want to go back. Yeah. So you mentioned the name Walt Gillespie. Yes. Played at Drake. Um, known as, you know, behind Eddie Joe, probably the second greatest player to play at Drake. So I've, I've, some people say he's he's the best and who's ever played in Marin. Uh, for a high school player, I think you were going to ask me this later in the interview, but yeah, for a high school player... I honestly didn't see Eddie Joe play enough because I think I was playing JV or when he was on varsity. You know, I just didn't see him that much. But I played CYO for four years with Walt, and I played little league baseball with Walt, and he was the best athlete I've ever been around. And as a high school player and a summer league player, I I got to think as a high school player he he might be at the top. He played at Cal, right? He played at Cal. Yeah. He started at power forward at 6'3", 175 pounds. It, it crazy, you know. Yeah. I have a picture of him uh, going up over a jumper over David Greenwood. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But, but anyway, yes, Walt was a, a great player, and, and that year was really fun. And then, you know, from after that year, I was away at college, so... I never saw the Drake team play the '81, '82 team because I was I was gone. Right. I was playing at Utah right. at the time. And what was what was girls basketball like in the MCAL in the '70s? Was it was it, it popular? Was it, it it was barely on the radar. Right. Uh, on in terms of popularity, so I I just can't speak to it. I knew it was happening, but it wasn't that the girls games were before the boys games. It was just JV and varsity boys. Right. So and just, I think, and I, that's what I've heard. And I think that the you know one thing that has been getting short shrift in this podcast is in 1982. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Drake girls yep. won the state championship as well as the boys, right? And the boys yes. team, legendary team. But the Drake girls were an unbelievable team, and I think that that kind of put Marin girls basketball on the map, and led to you know now I'd say the MCAL, the girls side is phenomenal, and we have yep. amazing players. We talked about this with Fulton. The only McDonald's All-American in Marin history is Brooke Smith, who played at Marin Catholic. Yes. We've had several Division One players, several players who have gone on to play pro ball. So uh, the girls' game is thriving in Marin. But it's interesting that in the 70s, that wasn't the case. And I think that's probably the case. Um, you know, it, it just wasn't as popular 
then, but then it started to get more popular in the 80s. Yes, that's correct. And then I think that 2001 Marine Catholic team that won the state that Coach yeah. Fulton alluded to, Yes, um, that that really prompted it. And, and the, the ability for the, you know, AAU basketball in a positive sense with girls, it's created more opportunities. Yeah, and then, you know, the WNBA started... Um, what, 97, I think 98, because when I graduated college that some of the my cl- uh, classmates at Stanford were, were going on to play in the WNBA, and that's where that started. Really, so the, you think about the WNBA has only been around for, you know, 25 years, 26 yes, yeah. years. Brooke Smith was a guest speaker this summer, and she talked about winning a um, WNBA championship with Phoenix, and um, Diana Taurasi was on that team and still playing yeah. all these years later. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty Very cool. cool. Um, Okay, I want to I want to hit on the Drake Summer League. So we we've alluded to this a few times, but just for our for our listeners, back in the day in the '80s, '70s, and '80s, um, at Drake High, now Archie Williams, there was a summer league that had some of the best players in the in the country um, who played in it. So literal NBA pros would come and play in that league. Current college players. It was sanctioned by the NCAA, right? So the the college players could play in it. Um, but then you also had just local, you know, it was a local summer league, right? So you, you would have uh, a sheetrock guy playing against an NBA uh, guard. Um, the gym, I, I mean, I went to that summer league as a kid, and I remember watching you play and Fulton and Bucky Chavez and others. Um, it was an electric environment, and I wish everybody today could see it. But uh, you you were in it. You played in those games. So take us back to... The Drake Summer League in the 80s. Yes, that, probably my, you know, I, playing in college was great. The Drake Summer League was the most fun because it was friends and it was, you, it was electric. It was exciting. You'd walk in the gym, uh, the small gym, and um, you just didn't know who was, you know, going to show up. There was 12 teams. There was teams from the East Bay, the city. For a period of time, and a guy named Dave, a guy named Dave Ball, I'll give him some kudos. He he worked, I think, for the school district, but he ran the league, and he's still around. And um, the, you know, the 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 Pac Eight at the time, the referees. There was a lot of referees who lived in Marin from the Pac Eight, and they ref the games. And there was three refs, and uh, I'm not saying three refs is better than two, but it was just they did it just to stay in shape. Sure. And they were all great guys. There wasn't. It, it was just really made it. It gave it a professionalism. Yeah. And, well, I'm sorry, uh, Jeff. Young listeners, the Pac-8. That's that's a Division One conference: Stanford, Cal, UCLA, USC, who, Washington, Washington. State. The, the Pac-2, I believe. It, right. It, it went to the Pac-10 uh, and has been the Pac-10 until now, and now it is dissolving to the Pac-2, and it'll be the Pac-0 yeah, from 12 to 2. I know. Um, but that's, so that, that's a whole other unfortunate subject. Yes. Well, that's a different podcast. But so you think about a summer league game where you're strolling to the Drake gym and now not only do you have you know elite players playing in these games but now you have division 1 college referees three of them refing these games yes and uh, you know the the of the 12 teams like we would we were all Marin guys on our I was fortunate to play a couple of years with Mahoney Steel with mm-hmm. Mike and Dan Mahoney and uh, Tim Hurley who is in the Lewis and Clark Hall of Fame was a great player at Marin Catholic and then I uh, there was an ice cream place in uh, called Sweet Sensations Ice Cream. And uh, Russ Anawalt, his parents owned it. And so we got this team and it was, you know, Chris Fulton and Walt Gillespie and Rick Burris and uh, Jim Saya, Mike Saya, uh, Marvin DeLoach, uh, myself. Uh, we just, we had so much fun. And, uh, and we won the league like three times, just really and, and I think for the listeners, we have to understand the context that there was no three-point line. It had not been in, invented yet. You know, you can ask me my opinion on the three-point line. I wish it was never invented because I think it's changed basketball, yeah. being an old-school guy. But we just had a really dialed-in, you know, teamwork and movement and motion. And, uh, you know, it was just so much fun. And we had success. We'd see, you know, we'd look down and, and teams would be warming up at the other end you know, with guys like, you know, Eric Fernson or, or Kevin Rostani or Quinton Daly, uh, Brian Shaw. These are all know, NBA players. Guys, yeah, and, and all these guys, at, for about three or four years, 
the NCA took away the sanction for the the San Francisco Pro League. The college players were not allowed to play in the city. I'm not sure why, but it was really a bonus that all these players from Cal and Stanford, Santa Clara, USF, St. Mary's current players would come and play in the league along with a handful of NBA guys. And, um, and the competition was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, it so was, it was exciting. There was a couple hundred people for every game. Yeah, no, it was, it was so fun. So just to high schoolers or, you know, younger kids who are listening to this. So this would be like going down to Drake or Archie Williams on a summer night. I don't know if you, did you have to pay to get in? No. So you don't pay to get in. You walk in and there's Anthony Edwards and Tyler Hero and right. CJ McCollum and Dante DiVincenzo just playing in a summer league game at, at Archie Williams. That's what this was like. It, so yes. Mike, Mike Fulton talked about Kevin Johnson or KJ going for 48 against him. Kevin Johnson was a all-NBA point guard. He was Dame Lillard. He was Ja Morant. And he's playing in the Drake Summer League. I mean, I, I was blown away when I went down there when I was you know 12 years old watching him play. It, uh, yeah, I, I heard Coach Fulton talking about it. And when Kevin played, I actually was living in Hawaii at the time on business. And so I didn't get to play against him. Uh, and Mike talked about, you know, guarding Kevin Johnson. Well, my story was uh, I guarded Quentin Daly for an entire game. And Quentin played at USF. Yeah. He was from back east, played 10 years in the NBA. He's not alive anymore, unfortunately. Right. Um, and I always joke that I went for 18 on Quentin, but he went for 48. He had the, the most incredible, you know, off the dribble jumper first step. He just, he would just blow by me. And I was trying. And that's but. the difference between when, when you, you see an NBA player, um, like even, you know, for all of us, right? When you, and going back to where we started, play against players who are better than you are. That's how you get better. Yeah. But the speed of, like, you know, for me, when I was growing up and I would play against Division One players, I was like, oh, okay, that's why I'm not a Division One player. I mean, just the little things, the, the speed with which they pick up the ball off the dribble yes. and get a shot off or take away the ball from me when I try to do the same thing. Yeah. And I can't imagine playing against an NBA player how fast they are and how strong yeah. they are. I think if I was, uh, I know you're going to ask me at some point about who I would take to open, yeah. to open gym, but if I had a, you know, a top five or six from the Drake Summer League who I got to, was fortunate to play against, you know, Quentin Daly, Phil Smith. Played for the Warriors. Played for the Warriors. Um, Kevin Rastani played 10 or 12 years in the NBA. Eric Fernson that played with the Celtics. He yep. was 6'9", just a beast. Um, you know, Brian Shaw. Brian was a, a decent player, but every summer he'd come back and he was better, and then he becomes a first-round draft pick of the Celtics and plays for 13 years. He played on Fulton's team. Yep. And um, Current NBA coach right now. Yes, uh, you know Peter Tebow played there. Uh, Mark McNamara, big you know, guy. I had sent you that picture of him dunking on me. Yep, that was center. from the IJ. Yeah, and um, and then uh, you know the one trippy one was like I alluded to going to the small gym and seeing you know who was there. And I walked in one day and I saw the biggest human being I have ever seen in my life, and it was Tom Payne, who was the first African American player who played at Kentucky. And he unfortunately would, um, was convicted of a rape charge and was thrown off the team. And years later, I think Al Adels contacted uh, Larry Fulton to get him on their summer league team to wow. give him a, a, a second chance. And he, he later got a tryout with the Warriors, but I think he was just, his, his game was not good enough anymore. Yeah. Al Adels was great Warriors player and was a executive for the war was a coach for the Warriors right an executive yes. my, my mom's favorite warrior he ever. was the coach when they won the championship but yeah. Tom Payne was 7'1 280 pounds of muscle and I walked so into the, the small gym at, he takes up at a lot Drake. of the Drake small gym I, and I I didn't know who he was I was just like oh my god that's the biggest human being I've ever seen and uh, and he played one summer with Fulton's team yeah. and was just you know it was like he was as big as Shaq Right. It was a it was a trip. Yeah, I mean that's it's a really cool slice of Marin history and um, and Jeff uh, for the the summer camp the San Domenico summer camp um, this summer I saw you had you got the basketball cards for all of the players who NBA players who had played in that in that league and you showed the kids 
And I thought that was really cool. And I, I just, I, I really want this current generation to appreciate some of this history because it's really cool. Well, I think that, uh, thank you, yes. Because uh, uh, all the kids always go, well, you know, we say, like, I'm an old man, I'm 65. So me and Buck and Fulton, we all played against these NBA guys. And they go, well, who did you play against? And like, yeah. well, they're all, you know, so some of them aren't even alive anymore. But, uh, but the car, you know, the basketball card thing, yeah, that, that's been cool. And I think the other thing notable about that, t- you know, the eight, 70s and 80s and the Drake Summer League is I sent you guys a list of how many Marin kids played college basketball. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at the list, you know, there's like 30 on that list from just a, a decade or so, really. Right. Right. And so basketball was, was a big deal um, in Marin. It was just such a great, I mean, for me, the enrichment it has given my life is just so profound. I can't even begin to tell you, you know, just how, how many, like you guys, great people. and the friendships. Yeah, friendships and basketball camp and coaching and, you know, going to college games. And yeah. it's just, it's been uh, such a complete gift. Well, it's, I mean, and, and Duffy and I are, are really loving doing this podcast because it's a way to, to reconnect like with you I see you a lot but it's I love hearing the history but you know we're, we're reaching out to people who I've or Duffy and I've known for playing basketball for years and we haven't seen them in a while and it's a great excuse to to reconnect and it makes you appreciate wow this game has really built a lot of our social fabric you know I mean it's just yeah. it connects people in a way it's, it's well really yeah cool. you guys are you're definitely basketball geeks and I mean it in a complimentary way oh, both of you guys sure. our wives will some agree of the stuff you. that Duffy sent out coaching the eighth graders last year was just incredible really yeah it's staggering the amount of text traffic that Duffy and I have where we're texting about um, you know different sets um, okay coach can we can we have a whiteboard I'm gonna I usually forget the whiteboard moment Duff but I'm gonna do it Got for it. you this time it. nailed it whoa he even had literally yeah. coach Skaggs has a, a board it's not um, white but you know close enough all right can you think of a of a great chalkboard whiteboard moment where you know either you as a coach or as a player a team needed a bucket or needed a stop and you guys drew something up and, and it worked? I think uh, for me, the most fun are designing out-of-bounds plays under the basket and just trying to create deception. The blob. The blob or slob. The blob or slob. We talked about that on the recent podcast because a lot of, a lot of you know, parents probably won't, don't know those uh, you know, acronyms. Blob, baseline, out-of-bounds. Yeah. Slob, sideline, out-of-bounds. I think... It, it's, uh, throwing out a name here, one of my favorite ones that Steve Spencer, who coached at UCLA and is sure. a, a great college coach at Orange Coast, he does an out of bounds play where he has this, he calls it chaos. And the, even before the referee hands the, the out of bounds player the ball, he has his kids run around, the other four run around like crazy. And then right when the referee hands the ball, one of them cuts to the basket. And it's just to confuse the other team. And um, Duffy's writing it down. <laughs> yeah, I think he calls it chaos. But for me, just even a simple a box play yeah. where, you know, my son Andrew, who's 31, that played uh, for a great coach, Doug Donnellan at Drake, got three years of varsity Phenomenal. in starting. Yeah. And uh, Andrew and I laughed over the years because, you know, I came up with a play when I was coaching at Superstar Camp in San Diego, which was before all the, you know, Nike and all these other camps we would get 300 kids to at UC San Diego and, um, and do a, th- a four-day camp where they stayed there. And I would always take a team. There'd be 30 teams and there was 300 kids. And it was really a lot of fun. I would bring my son, Drew, who was like seven years old till he was like 12 years old. He'd just come down with me. And um, I remember just designing a box play where, you know, the person right in front of the person taking out the ball just goes and sets a pick, super simple, but just then seals... And you throw them a bounce pass under the hoop. And yeah. I think I've got about a thousand baskets out of that where it's just using your body to create a little bit of opening and the out of bounds guy just right across the key there, bounce pass layup. And, um, and then some other ones where you just try and spread the kids out to create spacing and deception. Sure. So those are the most fun when you're, you know, in, the simple, in a moment. The, the simplest play designs can work as long as the, the players execute it, right? Sometimes yes. it just means... Just set a good screen. Yes. Right. I mean, it's it's very simple. Yeah. Because I, I so many times I've had kids say oh, the play is not working, and I'm just 
just if you set the screen, and if the person receiving the screen waits for the screen, it should work. Right. Right. Either the player receiving the screen or the screen or ceiling is it's somebody's going to be open. Right. But you just got to do it right. Right. So right. that's the uh, sorry. That's the, the bell here. Um, all right. That's good stuff. One one quick question for you, and then we're yeah. going to get to our overtime crunch time. The bell was for crunch time. Yeah. yeah. I had that plan for crunch time. Crunch time. You're good. Oh, beautiful. What do you think of today's game? I mean, I know you're not currently coaching a team, but, um, you know, today's offense, dribble drive, five out, that kind of stuff, versus when, when you were playing. It, I think that's another really good question. I think in my day, players were much more skilled. We weren't as strong as physical, but we really, because there was no three-point line, you know, motion offense um, was just paramount. That's how I learned how to play the game, by, by constantly moving and never stopping on the court. You know, it's tough because the NBA is the NBA. Uh, I, I personally think there's, there's a, too much stagnation in the NBA. Hmm. And, you know, obviously the three-point line has completely changed the game. Yeah. I don't think for the better, but it is what it is. It doesn't matter what I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even when we do camps, it's funny because Mike and, and Buck and I, you know, us old guys, will sort of tell the campers, like, look, we get it about the three-point line. But when you're at this camp, you're going to learn how to, to move and not, you know, and, and learn how to play the game the way we learn how to play the game. Sure. So I think that when I go to high school games, there, there's definitely not as much skill the kids are probably stronger and they may be faster, but you know the MCAL final, Redwood and Branson was twelve to ten at halftime. Right. You know we scored in the seventies and eighties regularly. Maybe didn't we didn't play as good a defense, but people just didn't miss shots. And you know I joke sometimes with Coach Fulton, like, wow, there's a mid-range jumper, like it's a, a lunar eclipse or something. Well, it's, and, it's and interesting it just, you say you that. You just Jeff. don't see those very often, and it's it's such a focus on the three point shot, and um, you know, so it's it's different. The game's just different. It's interesting you say that because uh, one aspect of the game today that we didn't have that you didn't have twenty five thirty years ago is is analytics, and so you hear coaches will say, you know, the analytics will tell you that a a, a mid range jumper is an inefficient shot. Right, the baseline three, layups, free throws; those are the highest percentage shots in the NBA, and that filters down to college and high school. So, a mid-range jumper is an inefficient shot because the analytics tell you that. And it's interesting; like maybe it's an inefficient shot because kids aren't practicing them anymore, right? And if they actually practice shooting mid-range jumpers, they'd make more of them. I mean, Byron Scott for the Lakers made a living on a 17-foot jumper. That, that's yeah. he scored 20 points a game doing that, right? I mean, I grew up watching Chris Mullen. Just lights out from mid range, right? Rip and Hamilton won a, won a title. Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton. Yeah. By the way, Rip Hamilton, a great uh, user of the floppy action, which we talked about in a in a different podcast. So um, it's interesting you say that. Um, yeah, the mid range game is is sort of lost now, and it's yes. Well, I think yeah, I do. I've been doing yard duty for twenty five years here, and now the la- because of the Steph Curry effect, and love Steph Curry. What an incredible human being sure. and talent. It does so much for the community. and uh, Totally agree. But, you know, when I'm doing yard duty, kids are just out there hucking up threes and um, and with incorrect form because, they, right. you know, and that's fine. I, I sort of, at this point, you know, I just... It is what it is, It Jeff. is what it is. Um, it is, what it is. Okay. Shout out to uh, KK, our friend KK, for giving us a suggestion to change it from the lightning round to something else. We now are calling it crunch time. This is uh, our last couple questions for you. Just kind of off the top of your head, what's your answer? Um, okay, greatest, you've sort of alluded to this a little bit, but I want a definitive answer. Greatest MCAL player ever, Jeff. I'm going to say Walker Gillespie, uh, and only because I didn't see Eddie Joe play I like it. enough in high school. Uh, I want to quickly shout out current kids who I'm really proud of, uh, who are playing professionally still? Luke Chavez, yes. Joey Calcaterra, yes. who's just starting his professional career. 
Kenny Woodard just finished playing. Yes. Christian Manoli still plays in Serbia and China. Terralinda. Terralinda, 2010. Same with Kenny, with uh, Terralinda. Jordan Lewis, still playing professionally. Uh, Liam Hunt, playing in Geraldton, Australia. Dan Hunt's Dan's son. kid. Yep. Jesse Hunt, playing in um, over in Europe. And they just won a championship in Cyprus. And uh, so those are all Marin kids that are still playing professionally. It's, it's awesome. Really, it's awesome. really, really cool. Um, that, that's, and Dave and I are still playing in over 35 leagues, Jeff. You didn't mention that. I mean, we are pro level. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have, uh, you know, and I'm sure there are, we have uh, women who are playing professionally too. I can't, I can't think of any right now currently. But um, Well, I know Ariella Rosenthal played over in, um, in Israel for a while. Yes. Who yes. was our assistant coach right. when we won the state championship. Great, great MCAL player. Yeah, and so, we, and we have several girls playing Division One. I, I mean, including our, you know, most recently Grayson Lavette, MC grad, yes. who's going to play at Lehigh. Well, um, and I think also, uh, I've had a great stepdaughter since age three, Haley Nicolini. She plays on the Olympic Club team with Lauren Polanski oh, great. and Brooke Smith. Yes. And uh, didn't the Bilneys live out of state, so they, otherwise they'd be playing, I think, still. And Nikki Warren. And uh, I go over, my wife and I go over and see Haley play with these girls, and they are just really good. Really good. It's, it's they're really good. Yeah, and they so just play. The, the men all complain to the refs. The women just play. Just play. Just play. Yeah. Definitely never complain to the refs, right? <laughs> uh, Nikki Warren played at Marine Catholic with Brooke Smith on that amazing team. Nikki was an incredible player. The Bilneys were on Mike Fulton's Branson state championship teams. Both played at Richmond, I believe. Yes. Uh, Division One. Lauren Polanski. Uh, Lauren Polanski was an unbelievable defender. Um, still, she still is. The girls, no, nobody wants to be guarded by yeah. Lauren, even, at, and she's in her thirties yeah. now, I think. Very, very cool. Okay, greatest MCAL coach ever. So, it's an. E- it, it, you have to include. We're, we're the BCL, but hands down. With no offense to any of the, there's so many great coaches that have come out of Marin, you know. Yeah. Um, Mike Fulton, I mean, it just hands down because I've seen it firsthand for 30 to 40 years, and yeah. specifically the last 20. Yeah. Anything Mike coaches, they win. He wins. I know. You know, our flag football, middle school flag football team under Fulton, who just retired, we were 118 and 13, and Mike never played football. So, with basketball, you know, with no offense to anybody, also, you know, I don't think we win the state championship if, if Mike isn't the coach. I don't think we get back to the finals last year if Mike isn't the coach. I've seen Mike do things with third graders that high school kids don't, don't do. And I just yeah. have seen Mike with in-game adjustments and, you know, scouting and I just... Hands down, he's the best coach I have ever been around. I sit next to him, and I could not agree more. And that you know, and there's been with Brett Tavani and Coach Hayward, uh, and you know, Danellen and the Sayas and Lavin and yeah. you know Paul Trevor, and there's just you know Pat Sandal, who's not a who's like a Marin guy, yeah. but yeah. Um, there's just there's some some great coaching trees out there. But Fulton, I just have seen it day in day out, in you know him designing. Game-winning out-of-bounds plays, like he alluded to in the podcast. I was there that night. Yeah. It, was, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. no, that's good. That's a good answer, and I can't disagree with you. All right, favorite gym in Marin? Uh, Drake. Well, you can call it Archie, but yeah. Drake. Drake. Because I lived there, and I, yeah. I, it's interesting because I wanted to go to school there, but my brother went there, my older brother, and got in a lot of trouble. And my mother, I was already going to St. Rita's. She's like, uh, no, you're going to Marin Catholic. So Marine College Gym was fun, but yeah. I just feel, probably because of the summer league too, just how I love going into the Drake Gym. I, I agree. That's my favorite too. Uh, what's your least favorite gym in Marin? Or where, where, do, you, where do you shoot the worst? Uh, I don't know about, sh- I don't know if I ever shot the worst, but. You're uh, such a good shooter, you don't even know what that's like. <laughs> I think probably Tam, just Tam and maybe Tara Linda, just because they were kind of aging facilities. Well, TL's got the new gym now. I know, which and I'm really happy for Farb. And Farbstein, another great coach. Great, great coach, and shout out to him for leading CYO Marin basketball and volleyball for the last 25 years. He's on our, he's on our list of, of Good. future guests a, for this podcast. He's a great Farbstein's, human being. Farbstein's done a lot right, for Marin. Writing basketball. it down. Writing it down. He's writing it down. Yeah, um, yeah no, that's, those, are, those are good answers. Um, Okay, 
your dream team, you and four others, you're, you're, you're playing, the Drake Summer League's coming back. Jeff Skaggs is, is ready to go. You, you and four other folks to play. Who do you want to play it's with? It's funny when I looked at my phone and, and that was the question, that was the one that threw me. All the rest, I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, how am I going to figure this out? <laughs> yeah. So I'll take a little leeway that I'm going to throw in a couple bench players, off like the it. bench players. I like it. So if I was going to, you know, go to down to the Drake courts, yeah, uh, it would be Eddie Joe, Walt Gillespie, um, Ken Cooney, who was Ken Cooney had NBA skills at six foot three, you know, that played at Novato phenomenal player and then Chris Fulton who was super gifted Mike Fulton's brother unbelievable Mike Fulton's player. brother good friend of mine played yes. at Utah played in Australia another lefty another lefty Jeff so, you're a lefty too right yes yeah. correct and um, I should say correct and uh, off the bench Buck Chavez and Mike Sia okay so Mike Sia is the current uh, Marine Catholic boys coach he is an awesome guy he's going to be on this podcast his daughter Ashley is the Marine Catholic girls coach but Mike was a incredible player at Drake, and then went on to be a Division One, really high level Division One ref. Yes, and has been an incredible coach for MC, and and is just one of the greatest guys. Um, well, playing on, on Sweet Sensations ice cream with him, he just never made any mistakes, and he he never missed a mid range jumper, and he never took one he shouldn't be taken. Right. So him coming off the bench and then Bucks energy, um, that'd be mine. This is a pretty good squad. Yeah. yeah. Not bad? Not bad. Okay. Acceptable answer, Coach. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's what we have. Uh, Jeff, you've been so kind with your, your time. I love the, the stories. And thank you for all that you do for the kids, uh, for our community, for Marin. The fact that you have these stories about this rich tradition of Marin basketball. It's so valuable. Um, and again, just you're a positive, inspirational guy. So no. really fun to talk to you. Thank you. I uh, Yeah. It reminds me, I haven't never been on a podcast, but it reminds me one little trivial thing. When I was playing college basketball at Southern Utah, I used to do high school basketball on the radio. I would go to a, a 1A school somewhere in rural Utah and get hooked up and, and broadcast the game, the play-by-play, not even knowing who the players really were. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's, it was an honor. I, I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on your, your podcast. So. Thank you. By the way, that sounds exactly like something Duffy and I would do. We would just go to some yeah. random high school. And yeah. just... It was for uh, KSUB, Cedar City, Utah, and I got $10 a game. Love it. Let's go up to Ukiah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. That's a soccer, soccer match. Duffy, do you have anything else to add? Uh, well, just maybe take a, a few seconds to tell us about your, your office here and everything you got up on the wall. You've got a lot of game tickets, you've got you know, some pictures, you got some uh, some medals. It's just a cool place to be. you got a jersey, Clay Thompson jersey. Well, uh, yeah, I, I happened to starting in um, the early 1980s, I used to save every ticket stub for every game I went to. And I was fortunate to live in Los Angeles. I've got a bunch of like 86, 87 yeah. uh, Laker tickets when uh, Kareem and Magic were playing. And um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of memories, a lot of life's, you know, like I said, I just have, um, and I see, a, a, I see a John Wooden signed pyramid of success, which is, yeah. From coach Lavin, coach Lavin do that. Who's, uh, you know, a good friend to many of us. One of and, our favorite. Um, yeah. Friends. Yeah. So it's, I, I've had a very, very fortunate life to this point and, uh, uh, just feel really lucky, extremely lucky. So I think you've made your own luck, Jeff. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. All right. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude.